tired. So tired. Overtired. <laughs> You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren here with Brett Terpstra. Brett, how are you? I, I am I am well rested, but you know how like when you sleep too much, you get super tired? Yes. Like I could go back to sleep like right now. I could fall asleep. That's funny. Yeah, I've had. OK, so I'm in Atlanta as I record this. So if I sound weird, this is why. And also, if you hear intermittent dog barking in the background, I apologize. There is nothing I can do about the dogs. Um, same with if you hear a baby, an errant baby cry, although hopefully that won't be caught on audio. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm in Atlanta and I have had some good sleep, some not great sleep, but uh, I do know what you're talking about in terms of like when you are sleeping for so long and then you're like, yeah, I just want to continue to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. For like the last two nights, I've slept like, I think nine and a half hours. Wow. That's good stuff. Like my, like that, like last time we recorded, I'd been up for like two or three days. And right. I was in rough shape and I don't even, I don't even know how that episode went. I, I was scared to listen to it. I did like rough edits and just published it because good Lord, what, what do I say when I'm that tired? I don't even Well, we had know. Brian on, well, we, we talked about anal sex is what happened. I remember that because I took a note that the title of the episode would be a real genius guide to anal sex, <laughs> a literal genius guide, but I don't remember why. It's okay. Though. You were the one who brought it up anyway. Yeah, that adds uh, it, up. It, it, that that it, totally it, tracks. Totally tracks. Yeah. But anyway, um, that, at, like shortly after that, I kind of like the mania broke and I just, I became stable, but I just wanted to sleep a lot, which is, I'm cool. I like sleeping. It's where, that's where I'm a pirate. Right. Sorry. Ralph Wiggum quote. I, it's, yes. People just. It, I'm a Viking. There was a, that's right, I'm a Viking. <laughs> there's there's like a there's like a an era in time where it was okay to have a Simpsons quote for everything. Yes. And just like just be able to like whip out the Simpsons quotes. And then it got to be like, oh, you're you're stale if you do that. And then we hit now where it's been long enough that I feel like it's coming back. Well, young people have no idea, I don't think. No, like, I don't think they do. No either. young people are going back and watching reruns of The Simpsons. They had their Maybe, day. I mean, I don't know. They might. They might not. It. It's. It's interesting to me. I would be curious to talk to people about that. I feel like. I feel like this is one of the disadvantages of us being kind of like this peak TV period where there's so much television, is that there is better television, in my opinion, that is that I would I would in some ways love to have like young people discover. Like I would love. It's not on streaming, so that's a whole other thing. But like news radio, which I yeah. contend is is the greatest, you know, like workplace sitcom other than Mary Tyler Moore and, and maybe Larry Sanders, depending on, on how you rank that. Um, I feel like young people would actually really like it. And I feel like it holds up, you know, like it's it's irreverent and it's funny. And The Why Simpsons. streaming? I don't know. Um, it's been on Crackle intermittently. I mean, Sony huh. owns it and it's not like they it's not like it's a rights issue. I, I have a feeling you know, it, it never did super well, but that was also because they changed the time slots like 18 times. Yeah. So it never had a chance to find an audience. It was critically acclaimed. Um, yeah. I mean, it did well enough for them to to do all the DVDs and, and do some of the best commentary tracks, I have to add. Um, like they got one of the uh, executives who was responsible for moving it to all those various time slots because he didn't like the show. <laughs> and they got him on one of the commentary tracks and basically got him to admit, yeah, I just didn't like your show, <laughs> which yeah. is really funny. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't know that that's a weird like omission. I'm like that would more than likely be cheap for, for Netflix or something sure. to just grab. But I feel like there's shows like that that I feel like could do well. Um, again, some of the real classics like Mary Tyler Moore show and Cheers and and, and even Frasier, you know, I feel like um, a lot of a lot of people would discover. And The Simpsons. It's still in syndication and it's still obviously airing, but I feel like, you know, like the first like, so, like probably 13, 14 seasons. I mean, really the first eight are great, but mm -hmm. you can, you can go well into, you know, the first 14 seasons where you still have good stuff and it's so quotable, but especially those first seven seasons are just like perfect yeah. First seven, eight seasons are just like fantastic television. Um, I, that that I I wish that that 
maybe the younger generation could discover it. I know that when, before Disney bought um, Fox, um, when FX uh, launched their app or whatever, this was, God, probably seven years ago, they had like an Every Simpsons Ever marathon where they brought it to streaming and you could like, they had like a special place in the app where you could like watch all the, the Simpsons yeah. episodes. And then yeah. Disney sort of ruined that a little bit. They they fixed it when when they when they made it part of Disney Plus. But like for the first year or so, they they fucked up what Fox had fixed, which was originally like they'd reframed everything as like sixteen by nine instead of four by three, and it's like you miss out on jokes and shit. Sure, yeah. Um, and then um, and then Disney finally after a year like fixed that, but they were slow to it. I'm like, come on, like literally the work was done for you, like. <laughs> It, the the other app that had this whole Simpsons World aspect like fixed it, but but uh, the Simpsons World aspect like the the Simpsons World app like even had some of the extra features and commentaries and things like that which I don't think Disney has brought over and I don't know it's a shame because the Simpsons is one of these like it, it's hard it's it's hard to remember like I was seven when it started but it's like hard to remember what it was like before the Simpsons existed because it's literally been on tv more than some longer than some of our listeners have been alive so can i can i tell you grant doesn't listen to the show right he does not okay um i'm gonna tell you this and and i mean no offense because i don't know grant all that well like i only knew grant as kind of the editor of download squad right and we didn't have a lot of interaction outside of that but in my mind he was always comic book guy oh totally totally Okay, um, I'm not crazy. No, no. Um, I mean, although the weird thing is, like, he's not that into the comic book things. Sure. But, but yeah, he can be pedantic like that for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not so much about the comic books as the uh, just the uh, the acerbic, pedantic. Yeah. yeah. Neckbeard, neckbeard. Yeah. I, totally. I, I, I've, I've always loved Grant. Don't, don't take that the wrong way. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, trust me. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Um, I'm also glad he doesn't listen to this because he would probably be offended. But you're not wrong at all. So, <laughs> do you think that the Simpsons are doing themselves a disservice by being by putting out new episodes? At this point, probably. I agree. I, um, I feel like they're tarnishing their legacy with every mediocre season that comes out now. I agree. I feel like Family Guy is the same way. Oh, totally. Um, oh my God. You know. Family I mean, guy, like I haven't watched in years. Shit. Totally, but you know what's fucked up? American Dad, still funny. I I never got into American Dad, but now that you say that, maybe, like I still enjoy Bob's Burgers. Yeah, I consider Bob's Burgers far superior to Simpsons or Oh yeah, or Family maybe, Guy at this point. One hundred percent. Oh, it, it it's it's it it still is, and it's been on for a long time now, right? Yeah. But like Bob's Burgers, I think is still good. Um, yeah, Simpsons. You know, they've gone through so many. I mean. It's hard because you've got this legacy show. Um, the licensing and stuff is still selling like gangbusters. Like I was I was shopping uh, a couple of days before Christmas and, and I was in like the kids department and I saw so much Simpsons shit. Really? And I was like, I was like, apparently it's making kind of a retro comeback. Huh. And and I was like, OK, that's a thing again, you know, and that's happened several times in my lifetime. Like I remember when, you know, it first came out, it was like everywhere yeah. and I, I i was six or seven i think i just turned seven when it started and um because like the, the the christmas episode or whatever and then it just you know uh fell out of favor and then came back in again and i think then it you know had another kind of uh you know resurgence when the movie came out and now it seems like at least with the merch i don't know about the show itself because i don't know who's watching the show but there i i saw a number of bart simpson things and i was like huh okay so I wonder if like that's part of like why they continue making it. I do know that they've had um like contract disputes with the voice actors and there was even a time when when uh, I think it was I think it was Harry Shearer but it might have been the um um the other um Dan Castellaneta who was like I'm not going to do the voices anymore and then they were like okay bye but then they did negotiate before like they started recording again. Um because you know the those those voice actors uh, traditionally are not well paid people, but the Simpsons voice cast is obviously, I and so. 
uh, absolutely. You know, like uh, uh, Nancy Cartwright, who's a Bart Simpson. I mean, she's she makes I think she still commands like a ridiculous fee per episode, considering, you know, she's doing recordings. Yeah. Um, And I mean, she probably makes enough per episode like that would would align well with, with live action stars. Um, uh, assuming they weren't like Oscar winning celebrities. Sure, sure. But um, but yeah, I mean, I you know they they keep trying to cut the budget, but I guess the ratings and the licensing and shit is still there. But I do feel like like the legacy is becoming tarnished the longer it goes on. Speaking of watching things, yes. Uh, if you've ever wanted to make your home feel safer, there's no better time than now. Ah, perfect. Because right now our friends at Simply Safe are giving overtired listeners access to their all-new holiday deals, 20% off their award-winning home security, and your first month is free when you sign up for the interactive monitoring service. We love Simply Safe because it has everything you need to make your home safe, indoor and outdoor cameras, comprehensive sensors, all monitored around the clock by trained professionals who send help the instant you need it. Simply Safe was even named Best Home Security System of 2021 by U.S. News & World Report. You can easily customize the system for your home and online in minutes and get free custom recommendations. There are no long-term contracts or commitments. It's a really easy way to start feeling a bit more peace of mind in the new year. So hurry and take 20% off your Simply Safe system and get your first month for free when you sign up for the interactive monitoring service. Visit simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash overtired. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash overtired for 20% off your entire system. And again, speaking of watching things, not a sponsor yeah. lead in. Um, no. Did you, so I, I, I got like, I've logged on to Netflix and the big like, uh, like hero ad that they showed was for. Uh, something I'd never heard of called Don't Look Up. Yep. And I all of a sudden was hearing about it on Twitter and Facebook, people talking about how great it was. And so I watched it. I had, you know, I the day after Christmas, not technically Boxing Day, I think in Europe, if Christmas falls on a Saturday, Boxing Day is on Monday. I'm not European. I don't know. But anyway, day after Christmas, nothing to do. I watched Don't Look Up, loved it. That was, Netflix did a good one. Netflix yeah, did a did. good thing. They did. No, it was really good. So that's Adam McKay, uh, who did the big um, the big short. Yeah. And and obviously, and in, in, in a prior life, before he you know moved to doing more serious films, he did all of the Will Ferrell comedies that we love, like Step Brothers oh, and Tell really? Nights. Okay, yeah. that, that adds up. I love Step um, Brothers. And uh, yes, the brothers. Did we just become best friends. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, <laughs> that's so good. Um, and uh, and so he's actually and and um, I know I thought it was really good. I thought it was it was really really good. I I really I enjoyed both the I enjoyed all the performances. Uh huh. Sorry, go on. No, no, I was going to say I tweeted that I liked it, and someone wrote back. I thought it was a depressing look at our at the current times, and I was like, yeah, that's that's the fucking point. Right. It's definitely a commentary on on the political divides and the fact that half the population can deny something they can see with their own eyes. No, it, it totally is. Right. And it's totally kind of one of those depressing, like de depressing kind of things. And I'm like, yep, I but I, I, I was into it. Yeah. Um, you can't laugh. What can you do? No, I agree. Um, I, I also encourage people, if you haven't read it already, to read the profile in GQ with Adam McKay. Um, from earlier uh, this month, or I guess last month, when you're listening to this, because this was early December, and it's uh, it's really good. Um, it, it shares the unfortunate, sad news that he and Will Ferrell are no longer friends. Oh, how do you not be friends with Will Ferrell? How does that even well, happen? Okay, so they were business partners, and uh, they had like a you know a, a production company together, and then they kind of fell out, uh, fell apart a little bit working wise, just because the type of stuff that Adam McKay is making is different. Although it's funny because like Adam McKay took a certain number of properties, Will took a certain number, and then Succession is the one they're sharing, oh. which makes sense because that's, you know, uh, such a hit. Bonkers but, hit, yeah. But um, what happened is he's working on this show about the Lakers for HBO. And Will Ferrell wanted to be the, um, like, one of the one of the coaches and Adam McKay thought that someone else would be better in the role. 
And he admits this in the interview. He's like, rather than telling him, he just went ahead and, and cast his best friend, John C. Riley, in his place. And then John C. Riley was like a good guy who reached out and was like, hey, I'm going to take this part. Um, and um, yeah, so the the business end, kind of the personal relationship is 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 not in a good place at all, which is really sad because they were like really, really close. But um, I'm hopeful he's done like a lot of press around this stuff. I, I, I'm hopeful that maybe they will uh, be able to make up because that was a very sad bromance yeah. sort of thing to me. Because, yeah, you know, it's like it's like the team behind Talladega Nights and and and, and you know, stepbrothers and Anchorman. And well, and so like Will Ferrell, it fascinates me because he seems like the kind of guy like if you had no idea, if you had never heard anyone talk about like his personal life and you only knew him from his comedy. It would be easy to assume that he was a total asshole to to people in his personal life. Like, yeah, I could see that just because so much of his comedy is built around this personality that is. That is kind of, that, that's an asshole. Um, but then you hear people talk about, like, what a great guy, what a great friend he is, how nice he is to everybody. Uh, and I, I find I find Will Ferrell fascinating. I, I want to yeah. be friends with Will Ferrell. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree, and I'm sorry it wasn't uh, it wasn't GQ, it was Vanity Fair. The article was was in, um, but I um, I uh, there was a, a good interview in GQ as well. But yeah, no, I agree. I want to be friends with Will Ferrell. So funnily enough, uh, we watched my family. They hadn't ever seen it, which I don't know how. Um, I guess because I was maybe out of the house the year that it came out. But uh, we'd never watched Elf before. Oh my so we god. <laughs> So we watched Elf on Christmas, which was great. This was like the first year in a, in a few years we didn't watch Elf on Christmas, but that is a great Christmas movie. It is a great Christmas movie. I love that movie so much. And now apparently with that one, John Favreau, who went on to to direct uh, the first Iron Man and were the first two Iron Men, and um, you know he's an actor, but he's gone on to be an incredibly successful director. Did he do uh, Mandalorian? Yes. Yeah. Um, he, um, directed Elf and apparently he, according to James Kahn, he and Will Ferrell did not get along, which that's interesting. <laughs> and that's why there was never a sequel because Will Ferrell apparently in his contract had like permission over who the director could be. And it was one of those things he was like, well, I'm not going to work with John Favreau. And, you know, they, maybe they couldn't go forward with an Elf 2 without, you know, wow. John Favreau. So maybe, so maybe Will is a bit of an asshole. Maybe he is. I don't know. I mean, most people seem to like him, yeah. but. You know what I have a feeling? I feel I'm feeling he's a good guy. Maybe but he has like an NDA he makes people he meets sign. Maybe. Or maybe what it is is like he's a good guy, but he's actually like a pretty shrewd and good businessman. And he's not gonna be like fucked over on stuff. Like maybe, like which fair enough, right? Yeah. You don't get to be Will Ferrell if you are are like not, you know, taking that sh sort of shit seriously. And Adam McKay even admitted in the Vanity Fair thing that he like probably fucked up by not like being direct with his friend about being like hey i'd rather cast john c Riley in this part you know like that does seem like that's kind of a fucked up kind of like thing so um yeah let's see i was thinking there was something that came to mind about wolf oh why did the funnier die app stop working did they just stop caring about funny or die did something oh i happen? think it went out of business oh, yeah I'm, I'm, okay. I'm almost pretty i'm almost positive like they sold it for for, for magic beans or something we <laughs> find there was a there was a ringer article i think about the death of funny or die but yeah funny or die was good stuff um and uh let me see if i can find the the ringer article about it uh the hilarious life and agonizing death of online comedy there we go um the it is this article is three and a half years old and I remembered it, which <laughs> mind, I don't know what that mind says about like me. a bear trap. I was gonna say I don't know what that says about me that like I could I could remember like the exact article like like the the publication rather. Um, but yeah, and yet we I, still uh, tell the same stories over and over on this podcast. I was gonna say that's the thing. Like I we have, have like, selective this, this, memories. The selective memory is a really screwed up thing. Uh, so yeah, but funny or die, like they, yeah, they kind of ran out of money and and steam. Uh, I mean, a similar thing has happened to kind of the onion and um, Wait, what happened to the onion? Well, you know, they sold it to to Univision and then Univision uh, made it part of like the Gawker empire. And then that was sold to the uh, private equity fucks who um, have basically cut 
so much of the resources. Oh, and the most recent thing with the Onion and AV Club is that, and you, if you remember a number of, God, it was more than a decade ago now, they had like a big move where they made everybody move to Chicago because that's where the Onion was going to be. Well, now, at least for AV Club, and I don't know about Onion proper, the new editor-in-chief of AV Club is in, is in Los Angeles. So they've told everybody, they're like, oh, if you want to work, if you want to basically continue to have a job, you have to move to L.A. Ew. from Chicago. You. Um, and, and they're like, oh, well, it's not mandatory, but if you want to stay employed, you have to move. Sure. And then it gets it gets worse. Like, they, they're they going to give them $5,000 in moving expenses. Wow. To go to L.A. Which, yeah, from Chicago. And I'm like, um, wow. I hope they're also doubling their salary. Yeah, you know they're not. Um, so <laughs> AOL offered when when AOL wanted to move us all to San Francisco, uh, it was optional, especially for those of us who had always been remote workers. But they basically offered to double our salary if we moved right, to which San is, Francisco, which still which wouldn't have covered correct, cost of living for me. One hundred percent. But it, that is the correct thing to do. Like when Mashable moved me to New York, okay, the original offer of how much they were going to pay me in moving expenses was laughable. And I laughed at it, and then they gave me $10,000, which I, I don't know if that covered it, but, but it, it came much closer. They did give me a raise, and then I got there, and Vadim had been poached by Facebook, and so they were really freaked out. And so then they gave me another raise literally the day I arrived. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, and, and we were small then. Like, we were super, super small then. We certainly weren't, you know, owned by private equity fucks. So, um. But anyway, uh, that was that was a weird tangent. But um, <laughs> yeah. you, I'm looking at our notes. Uh, so you, you, we talked about this in the last episode, Hawkeye, or two episodes ago with, with Victor. Um, so you caught up on Hawkeye. What did you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I had been waiting to start it because we wanted to do like watch party style with my, my girlfriend's sister. And we finally started and we basically finished it in a week. And I... I enjoyed it. I don't think I loved it as much as some other people did, but it was, it did remind me more of the Netflix Marvel series, which I loved, like Jessica Jones yes. and Daredevil, Punisher. Like that stuff was gold to me. Everything except for Iron Fist. But, um, yeah, Iron like, Fist was, was, was terrible. Like Hawkeye got closer to that type of Marvel show and, and I did appreciate it. Yeah, and I liked it. I liked, you know, kind of like the way that it ended. Like it makes it clear there well makes it hopeful, I guess, there'll be a second season. Um and and also makes it uh I I wanna I wanna know more about um uh uh Clint's wife, um, Linda Cardinelli. Yeah. Like her character, like the stuff they were alluding to. I was like, Oh, she's really interesting. I would like her to have like her own kind of show or her own kind of thing. Um I thought that Haley Steinfeld was just really, really good in it. And and her chemistry with um, uh, Florence um, Pugh, who played um, um, the Yelena, um, uh, Black Widow's sister, um, new Black Widow. I thought that their chemistry was really good, too. But um, I've never liked Jeremy Renner, and I've never really cared sure. for Hawkeye that much. Yeah. But of the Marvel shows, um, my ranking would go, like at least on Disney+, Plus, my ranking would go WandaVision, Hawkeye, Loki. And then I suppose if we have to have a ranking, then Captain America and the Wonder Soldier, <laughs> um, uh, because that that shit was is bad. Um, the and and uh, what was the what's it was who who the guy with the wings? What's the guy with the Mackie? Look, uh, no, oh, yeah, no, no. Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was that show called? Uh, some ha, ha, what's it? What's that character's name? I can't think of the winged character's name. It's not Hawkeye. That's a different guy. Anyway, I, Anthony Mackie's amazing. That sh that sh that sh that series was, eh. Yeah. No, Captain America. <laughs> Didn't you? <see? laughs> um. No. No. It was something, and it was something and something, and it wasn't. It wasn't just Captain America. No. No. It was something in the Winter Soldier. Why is um why Siri? I'm not even talking to you. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, we agree it wasn't the best. Wandavision. I think I think I might actually even like 
how you had no WandaVision was better. Yeah. Uh, here, here's what I'll say. It was the Falcon of the Winter Soldier. Yeah. That's what thank you. Get to. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. So if I'm being completely objective, I feel like Hawkeye was a better paced show. Yeah. Like, I feel like Hawkeye nailed the pacing in six episodes. I feel like they nailed that stuff. And, and their action sequences, the way they were done, were good. I feel like the pacing was better. But emotionally, WandaVision for me was the best. Like, to me, like, that's where, like, it it really just, like, got me. I, I felt like also the creative risk they took. But if I be completely objective, I think that objectively I could, I could see someone making the argument that Hawkeye is a better show. Uh, I just personally had more of an emotional connection and got like more out of WandaVision. But I feel like Hawkeye, the pacing especially, they, they nailed like the whole kind of storytelling arc with it. Like they they had that shit down. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that they I don't like I don't know anything about the the comic series. I know that he he was deaf and uh and bringing that into the show was was kind of a big deal for the comic fans. But I don't know how the female co-lead uh, plays, like, is she a character in the comics? I think she is. What is her and name? I think her name is Kate Bishop. Um, is, does she have, like, a Lady Hawk name? I think she might. I don't, I don't know all those details. Okay. Uh, God, I wish that we had my friend D-Man on because he would know all the answers to this. Where is but D-Man? Why don't we I ever know. have D-Man on? We should have D-Man on, honestly. Actually, this is kind of fun. So I've, for the last year or so, like uh, we haven't done it in a, in a few weeks or in a, in a few months, I guess I should say, but me and a bunch of people who I'm new to their their group. I, I know Ben, but I didn't know anybody else. We started doing Twitter spaces when Twitter spaces was first like in beta or whatever, where we would talk about WandaVision and then we would talk about the other Marvel shows and we've, it's become like a really fun group chat. Um, and um, and D-Man used to work at, at Twitter and um, and he knows like all the shit. Uh, about the comics, which is awesome, because I don't know anything about that. Um, I really no, but I, I really liked. Uh, I liked what they did. Also, the the deaf actress that they cast, yeah. um, uh, who uh, she's apparently getting her own spinoff, and um, Maya? yeah, Maya is apparently getting a spinoff, huh. and and she she was good, and and I liked that they cast an actually deaf actress. And she has a um, um, a uh, a fake um, foot or leg or yeah. whatever. So prosthesis, prosthesis. There you go. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Cool. Um, what what? This is okay. I have I have two. My brain is has gone two directions. Um, which I believe the word ambivalent, like people use ambivalent to mean they don't care. But ambivalent actually means of two minds, which is where I'm at right now. Like, A, I can totally lead into our second, our, our second and last sponsor of the day. And B, I have this question about app.net. I know it's a dead service, but if you had to pick, which way would you go? I think that you could go from app.net to our second sponsor, actually, because it was a subscription. So I think <laughs> let's go to let's let's go to app.net and then we can then we can segue into our second sponsor. I'm curious to hear your take on on what it would take for something like app.net to actually succeed. Uh, for anyone who doesn't remember, app.net kind of they it's so there's Mastodon, right? which yep. continues to exist as like a federated version of a social media site uh, where everyone can run their own Mastodon servers and and they can they can federate. Um, App.net really tried to be more of a uh, an API based competitor to Twitter directly. Correct. And and it, they didn't make it like so many others before them. They they failed. I'm curious what it would take to actually succeed. Obviously, you're not going to unseat Twitter, but there's got to be a place. There's there's got to be like you have to be able to get to a critical mass where you could actually. I don't know what would it take to survive. I don't know. I mean, it's really difficult because and 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 of course, fucking Mashable's archive the way they ruin everything i can't find my very very good um <laughs> uh eulogy for app.net uh app.net which i paid for yeah, um 
and 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 actually that's how Brianna and I have met um was was we became like app.net friends I don't know I mean the thing about app.net is that it was audacious in insofar as like you had to pay to be on it yeah and 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 how much you paid was was differed but but it was one of those services that asked you to pay to be on it which is one of those things that many many people always claim oh well if i was asked to pay for this or that i would mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is they won't right um we talked uh last episode about uh, live journal which <laughs> did succeed i do remember that through my well, haze well well live journal was interesting insofar as they had in, you had to have an invite code once their server capacity issues were so massive, were so like ridiculous, like in the early 2000s, that to, to grow, you know, they had to continue buying server space. This is before you had cloud computing. This is before you had other stuff like like Brad was literally going to like Internet and like setting up racks and stuff and 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 trying to, to get capacity. And so they needed money to be able to pay for this. And so how they did that in the early days is that they said, OK, if you pay $15 or $25 or whatever it is, you can buy an invite code and and get into the platform. But then you can also pay or, or existing members could have a certain number of invites that they could give to other people who could start um, a, a journal for free. So it was one of those things like you either had to know somebody who had a code or you had to buy one to get on the service um, for a couple of years, I think. I think that's how the process worked. And that was the way they had to kind of, you know, in a pre-Facebook kind of world where he wasn't taking venture capital, like you had to to scale that way. And I think that that would be, if you were wanting to do, it's, I mean, look, obviously you can't create a new social network because TikTok is proof of that. Um, uh, TikTok was born out of uh, Musical.ly, which was a, a, a singing app that uh, wasn't that successful in the U.S. and and some of that was bought and then the 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 Chinese turned it into I, I think the most recent reports are showing that it's like the most popular website in the U.S. or something like that um, uh, for, for like the last couple of months or whatever and uh, you know superseding traffic from all the other social networks and, and other big sites. Huh. Um, so so TikTok is I think proof that you can build another network. Um, it, TikTok is interesting in so far as it's I think it's one of the first kind of modern social networks that is not directly tied to an identity graph, meaning I'm following interests and I have people who might look me up in my contacts and follow me. I'm not posting anything, but it's not like most people I follow on TikTok are my friends. I'm mostly following other people yeah. and other sorts of interests. So it's a very different experience than, you know, something like Facebook or, or even Twitter um, which I think at this point, a lot of people follow people they know and you, you find other people through stuff. But for what app.net could have done in terms of like a federated open kind of paid for thing, I don't know. I mean, I feel like obviously the thing that made it cool and special and, and saved it from, you know, becoming kind of like a, an also ran was the fact that you had to pay. But that was also the limiting factor in it, too. So maybe if they'd gone more for the white supremacist. Maybe. No, I really think gone for like a Gab feel. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> Although, you know, Gab is at used Mastodon or something. And, and then Mastodon had to had to ban yeah. a lot of the different Mastodon instances had to ban, you know, Gab or this or that. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, honestly, the cool thing, the cool idea behind app.net was that it was an API sort of thing. And the whole concept that Dalton had was that you could create not just Twitter. Twitter was one example, but he wanted to use it as something where you could do a number of other things. And and like he had, I think it was called Pick Please. I can't remember what it was, but he had an Instagram competitor that was out at the same time as Instagram and Instagram won. Um, and then, you know, he he did app.net and obviously that failed. Um, uh, he has really good ideas though. You know, he, he's a smart guy. I wonder though, if they'd been able to show like other use cases, like if, if people had been able to build other types of apps, you know, yeah. on well, top of it. They did like, try like, that. They did, but it was but it was limited. I yeah. feel like I feel like if somebody okay, I'll put it this way. I think that if somebody had been able to this was, you know, seven, eight years ago, if somebody had been able to build something like Discord mm -hmm. on top of app.net, mm -hmm. I feel like app.net would have worked. I like because that. I feel like I, I think that that's the way it could have worked. Yeah, that makes sense. Man, the I've never been on TikTok. Uh, the only TikTok I've ever watched is like TikTok compilations on YouTube. Because I'm old. 
I'm almost 50. I mean, if 43, if you round up by 10, um, I'm almost 50. And I I feel like I'm too old for, I'm too old for TikTok. I feel like it's passed me by. I mean, maybe. I mean, that's the interesting thing. TikTok has so many different, it's kind of like Twitter insofar as like you have all these sub genres of TikTok. So there's like old people TikTok. Is there really? There is. So it just is it on, as like, racist it. as old people Twitter? I think it depends on what part of old people TikTok <laughs> you're in on. And I did find my uh, I did find my uh, thing it, it, lacking all of the the uh, paragraphs and and links. But I had a, a requiem for a social platform app.net's unrealized potential. Did Christina you, Warren, May eighth, twenty fourteen. You throw it in the show notes. I will throw it in the show notes. All right. So speaking of subscriptions. Yes. And and speaking of keeping an eye on things, man, multiple lead-ins. So if you're suffering from way too many subscription syndrome, there is a way out. And you don't even have to talk to anyone. Let Truebill do the work and set you free. Average users can save $720 a year using Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people are saving thousands a year with Truebill. See all your subscriptions in one place, uh, keep the ones you want, and cancel the ones you don't right from the app. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. No talking to humans, no difficult conversations. I've been using Truebill for a while now, and uh, in addition to seeing all of my subscriptions and getting notified when they change even a penny, uh, I also love how it categorizes my income and my spending automatically to budget without me ever having to do any traditional bookkeeping because I suck at paperwork, and Truebill makes it all automatic. It tells me, like, gives me heads up when my, uh, my paychecks are coming up, tells me how much I have left to spend, uh, before my next paycheck it helps me keep track of my savings. It, it's 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 great for managing subscriptions, but honestly, it's so much more than that. Uh, so start canceling your unused subscriptions at Truebill.com slash overtired. Go right now, Truebill.com slash overtired. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash overtired. Speaking of overtired, wait, no, that's what we were already doing. That's what we were already doing. No, but um, I, I appreciate that uh, that last ad read because, you know, I, I canceled cable. Yeah. I needed something like Truebill in my life to to get me to probably realize how much I was spending. Oh, my God. Cable cable killed me because, like, I, I, I cut the core. I cut the core before, like, Netflix was before ever was even cool. a streaming yeah. service. Like, you, you still had to get DVDs from Netflix when I when I cut cable. But then after a couple of years, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I miss cable. Maybe I'll, I'll get it again. And I tried it for a month and like it was a hundred bucks a month. And I found like two shows I wanted to watch. And yeah, just, even, even before the glut of streaming services we have now, it just was not worth it to me. Well, so a friend of mine has me on his YouTube TV family plan for now. So I can test and see if, if I like that. There is a good chance that I will wind up subscribing to YouTube TV, which just for local channels, which is still way too much to pay and, and for some other stuff. Because sometimes I do like to watch linear stuff. But even if I were to do that, I would be saving like $150 a month if I paid for like the most expensive YouTube TV plan, like including HBO Max. Yeah. And and so I would $150 a month. Yeah. Like uh, when I was when when I, when I did the math and I was like I, I realized because they'd raised my bill a couple of times and, and I guess I hadn't realized it because I'm dumb and and I, I I you know did the chat thing to cancel with Comcast and and then they like offered me the deal they offered me was like not anywhere close and I was like yeah this is still more than double what I would be paying yeah um on YouTube TV I can't do it they're like we understand so <laughs> we hear that uh, a lot these days. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, well, what's funny is is I'm I'm potentially even looking for my parents, like maybe getting them YouTube TV because it's funny because they get their internet through Comcast. I do not. If I did, I probably could have gotten an even better deal. But I have fiber. But like Comcast at this point, they have this thing called like like uh like Xfinity Flex, and basically they will send 
like their internet subscribers, like a free set-top box, kind of like a Roku type of thing yeah. where you can, you know, watch like, you know, your your Apple TV and your um, Hulu and, and your Disney Plus and all that shit. They now even give you the option of like watching YouTube TV on it. So you could subscribe to YouTube TV through it. And I'm like, at a certain point, I doubt that Com- if Comcast, I wonder how much they care if they're like, okay, well, as long as you're using one of our boxes and and paying for stuff through us, we don't really care, you know, who's, I mean, I'm sure they prefer people to, to pay for their overpriced sure. um, uh, cable, but at a certain point too, I feel like they're at least being smart enough to be like, yeah, we are, we are in fact just a dumb pipe. And so we, we better make it easy to do that. Um, but uh, I see, um, but anyway, that, that was a long segue. The the cable thing, this happened literally right before I left town. And so I um it'll be interesting to see like what impact that has on things. But it, but it, thank you, Jeremiah, for letting me be in your YouTube family. Uh, one weird thing about that. So if you are in someone else's YouTube TV family and you don't live in the same area, it's a problem when you first want to log in because they're like, oh, this account hasn't been in the home viewing area, which in his case is Charlotte. So to get around it, I had to um, use uh, DevTools in um, uh, Edge to um, spoof my uh, lat and long uh, coordinates um, on my uh, desktop uh, to make it seem like I was in Charlotte. Uh, and then I was able to, to log into my account that way. I would be shocked way. if there's not already an extension for that. I mean, there probably is. But in this case, like some of those extensions, like they want to use your Wi-Fi, your IP stuff. Yeah. And, and that was not what I wanted. So it was actually easier for me to just do it in DevTools. And and then that and so I spoofed my location in that regard um, in the browser session, uh, made it look like I was in um, Charlotte. Then I was able to watch things. Then I was able to go into an app or another thing and, and log in like locally and see my local channels. So um, if anybody runs into that same problem, that's what you have to do. Uh, and then apparently like every three or four months you have to like log in from your home viewing area of whoever that might be. So I, I pointing this out just for anyone who might want to share with like less tech savvy family members, you might want to rethink that, um, or at least, you know, um, be in a position where you could like remote screen control their, uh, their laptop so that, that you could, you know, get them logged in. Or worst case, you have access to like their Google login so that you could log in remotely for them and, uh, you know, then they could watch. Speaking of hacks in, in yes. web pages, I was getting all this spam from my. So, OK, so I have always preferred to have a contact form to actually like putting my email address onto my web pages. Right. Right. Um, and uh, for years. I just had a basic contact form with very limited filtering, and I never had that much trouble with spam. But for the last few weeks, I've been getting just like three or four a day, but just total like Russian bot spam messages. Uh, So I sat down one night and I made my own captcha. And it just, it puts uh, a basic uh like a number two numbers between zero and five and asks you to add them together and it puts the question into a canvas so the text isn't actually on the page it generates a random uh an array of 10 possible numbers and then randomly selects the indexes of two of those numbers. And when it submits the form, it sends a hashed uh, key that tells it which two indexes to check the answer against. And then it does all of the verification on the server side. So you can't repeatedly submit the form. And every time you fail, it, it changes the question. That, I believe, it's like it's pretty basic. It's it's the simplest kind of capture, but it has eliminated spam mail, and I'm hoping it hasn't eliminated too much legitimate mail in the process. I'm proud That's of actually, it, though. It actually lo- no, I I'm proud of you for doing that too. I mean, it seems like a lot of work, but it, well, I mean, it was fun. 
here, I put the link to the contact page in the show notes. You can see it's not a perfect font match, but at the bottom of the form, it says, what's four plus four? <laughs> and then you just answer the question. That's cool. And if you don't put in an integer at all, it won't let you submit the form to begin with. But if you do. Oh, nice. That's nice. Okay, I see this. And yeah, no, the font is really close. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. All right, I, I'm proud of you, too. Like, that seems like I, I, one reason I say that's a lot of work. Like, I'm just like, this is like a really like uh, cool solution that I, I do like wonder. I'm like, huh? Like. And, and it seems to be working so far. Like, it seems to I be. I have not gotten any spam. But I also have gotten relatively few actual contact messages. So got it. But I've tested it. Like it, it, it totally works. And if you if you answer the question, you can totally send an email. So um, I don't think I, I don't like I never get more than one person a day contacting me. My site, even when I'm not writing regularly, I get about twenty thousand visits a week. But the actual like the bounce rate is pretty high and the number of people who actually contact me through the website remains more like seven a week. Yeah. I, I went and checked my RSS stats for the first time in like a year this week. And uh, I've been writing significantly less since I took the job at Oracle. But my subscriber stats have gone from like 15,000 subscribers to 30,000. And... It, I, it always makes me wonder what's wrong with the reporting. Why would I have 30,000 RSS subscriptions when I'm writing like at best once a week? Yeah, I don't know. Um, that does make me think if it's doubled, that like there is something wrong with the reporting. <laughs> yep. um, like there's a part of me that I want to be like, oh, no, I think that that would be like, uh, no, you're you're doing great. But for it to double, especially since RSS is not <laughs> common on the rides, right? <laughs> for right? Sure. Like, 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 you know, it's, it, yeah. Like, like I still pay for feedback and stuff, but it's I don't like even use RSS. Yes. Maybe it is making a comeback. Maybe it's becoming sex again, except I, except I seriously doubt it. So I wonder if there's like a, either, are there bots out there that are just subscribing well, to RSS so feeds? I use, I use, um, what's the name of the service I use? Uh, Feed press, feed press. Um, and they do a pretty good job of filtering bots and stuff, but they also, they're like, it'll be, if you look at the reporting, like you'll have like a, uh, like 5,000 subscriber spike for one day and then it'll go away and they never explain like where that came from or why. So I, I don't know. I do like feed press though. I pay, I pay, I pay money for feed press. They do. Uh, analytics and podcast hosting. It's 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 a good service. I'll add yeah, it to the show of, notes if anyone yeah, wants a feed press service. Yeah, add that to the the show notes. That's cool. Um, I um I remember hearing about them because what was what was the what was what was the name of the Google one? Was it Feed Wrangler? What was it? Uh, Google Reader. No, 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 no. Google's um uh feed uh uh hosting service. Oh, um, fi fi um I've forgotten. It's not Feed Wrangler. That was a competitor. No, that was a competitor. Um, didn't it have fire in the name somewhere? I think it did. Um, it was like like Firehost or Fire... Man, wow. I've totally forgotten. I know exactly what you're talking about, but since Reader died, it, it, it yeah. I do like Feed Wrangler. Feed Wrangler and what's the one... Is it... Which one has the hamburger icon? Um, uh, Feedbin. Feedbin. That's the one I actually use. And I have the same password for both Feed Wrangler and Feedbin. But Feedbin is the one I paid for. And I use it with Reader and Reader. Yeah, same. Yeah. And even, use like, I just, even I don't use RSS that much anymore. Same. I was going to say, like, I pay for Feedbin and I have for seven, eight years. And, and I for a long time, I paid for Feed Wrangler as well. Um, but at a certain point, I was like, I'm, I think like five years into it, I was like, I can only yeah. pay for one service I don't use. You don't, you, yeah, exactly. Um, you, don't, you don't need two RSS services. 
Right. You really don't, um, especially if you're only if you're not even using one, really. Um, but uh, so at this point, part of me is like, I, I like the idea of being able to pay to support it. And then I, I just. Uh, yeah. Do you remember uh, what was it? Fever? Yeah. I used fever to, I used to run my own fever. So did I. I ran my own fever instance. Man, Sean Inman made good. Shit. Right. And um, mint. Mint was so good. Mint was great. Mint was fantastic. He had his own URL shortener, too, which was really good. Um. And his own, um, uh, remember Kicks, um, the the bookmarklet? No. The oh, Quicks. Quicks. Yeah, Quicks. Yeah. 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 Was that Sean yeah. Inman too? No, it wasn't. But um, it was sort of based on shortwave. I think was what his yeah, was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, had, it was a similar syntax. But yeah, Quicks. Quicks, I love. For anyone who sad. doesn't remember Quicks, it was like basically a bookmarklet, like JavaScript bookmarklet. You could write. Quicksilver type of uh, commands, for. commands, and then you have like just basically a text file, and perform all these shortcuts on web pages using a bookmarklet. It was it was sweet. I loved it. It was like I I still miss it to this day because there are times when like I want to pull up an archive version of something. Yeah, and I'm like, damn it, well, I wish Quicks was still running, <laughs> or, or, or 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 that Yoast had open source the back end because. I would, I would like have it running locally even, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because there are times when I'm like, you know, and I, and I can do that obviously with Alfred and some other stuff, but like, it was honestly very convenient to have it just in the browser and, and just be able to be like, okay, I want to go to the archive version of this, or I want to, you know, go to the, you know, cache version of, you know what I mean? Like there were just certain things that I had. Um, I had like, I had like, like, like Twitter kind of shortcut things be like, okay, I can automatically send this to Tweetbot or, or whatever. Like it was that was that was slick. What a whatever happened to Sean Inman? He made games for a while, and I don't know. Huh? Yeah, I just googled, and either I'm spelling the name wrong. It was S H A U N I N M A N. Yeah, that's what I thought. And like, did Compendium? Okay, he is still out there, and his copyright on his on his blog re- reads 2001 to 2021. So either it's um, using a server to just put the current year in or it's right. actually updating. So, Retro okay, Game so, Crunch, The Last Rocket. So I just checked on his Twitter. So he's apparently um, currently at Panic and Playdate. Cool. Oh, play, which one was Playdate? Playdate is, is the little console. Yeah, that's what I building. thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever is that still a thing? It's 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 been delayed. It hasn't come out yet. Okay. Yeah, actually that was like the first quote unquote console that I was actually interested in buying for a long time. Yeah, I um I have one pre-ordered. Um I'm in like the first wave of people getting them, but um they uh they had some sort of battery issue or something and so it'll be out early next year. I got to play one god uh 2 years ago at a uh, at um the last um, XOXO uh, that that um, they had before the pandemic or whatever, and I got to play a prototype, and it was really really fun. Nice. His blog does not list Mint or Fever under his uh, web applications. He yeah, he retired them both. Yeah, he retired them both because at one point, like I was like looking for kind of like a, a Mint replacement, and. Um, because he doesn't sell it anymore. I was like looking, I was like, okay, well, could I maybe even get this running and still use this because it did some of the stuff I needed it to do. Turned out the version of, of uh, MySQL it was using was just a little bit too old for certain things. And I was able to comment out like the serial thing or whatever in the file and it still worked just fine, which which was nice. But um, yeah, <laughs> that those services stopped, stopped working, unfortunately, because um, Mint was just like, was solid. Like I used yeah. that for my analytics for years and years. I think, uh, I mean, it's been a few years now, but I think it was only relatively recently that um, uh, Vatici moved Mac stories to something else. Yeah. I mean, Google Analytics is, it, there's a reason it's the standard. Yeah, but it I, is. I but... just, there's so much there that I don't need that it's definitely not worth the trade off of my users' uh, privacy. To be right. running and Google well, Analytics on most of my Not only sites. that, not only that, but if you use, um, you know, like a uBlock Origin or anything like that, like in most cases it blocks. Yeah. 
uh, so, 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 so you as like a webmaster aren't even getting the analytics. I'm like, I don't want to know any information about people, but I would like to know if I had a visitor or if I had yeah. a link click. Yeah. So what I've been what I've been um, using on some side project things is plausible analytics. Yeah, we, it's a we had a, version. We had an episode where we talked about like all of our alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. Plausible sounded good. Um, uh, uh, Fathom is the one I'm still using, and they've added a lot of features in the last year that have made it. That's cool. Very solid. Yeah. There were some features of Fathom when I was looking at it that I I couldn't do. Like like I liked the there was like a um. A feature in, in Mint, um, like one of the the um, what what do they call them? The what were the the peppers? Um, oh yeah, peppers. Where where like you could you could see how many people click on a certain link, yeah. like outbound clicks, and that Fathom didn't have that. Um, Plausible added that and added a way of like being able to 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 track that, and so I appreciated that about them. But but Fathom might have that at this point. Yeah, I just can't remember the last time I cared. Like, I understand what situation I would care about it in, but on my sites, For on your I site, just yes. don't have a need to track outbound traffic at all. Right. And and in my case, it was, I was, it was for, for a site for something I was doing at work, and I did actually need that sure. information. Yeah, there are definitely um, be, cases where it's important. For, for, for my own reporting, just so I could be like, okay, this is how many people are clicking on these things. Mostly to be like, okay, these are the stories that resonate or these aren't or whatnot, you know, like. Because for certain links, you can put tracking things on and you can track the inbound stuff on that link itself. But if you're using, you know, certain stuff. But um, I understand for a lot of people like that wouldn't be uh, necessary. Uh, I had like a very specific use case. What I um, need. Why I needed it. I need uh, to set up one of the myriad Sparkle AppCast trackers. Um, like every Mac app, you know this. I'm explaining yeah. to the listeners. Every Mac app uh, in the world. Okay, not everyone, but most Mac most apps of them. use a, a library called Sparkle. And when you see that update is available, uh, this is for non-Mac apps or apps. But when you see that update available, you click update, it downloads it, and you click install update. That's It's called Sparkle. And it runs off of an RSS feed uh, called an AppCast. And it like it doesn't automatically send any of your information to the developer but the fact that it is hitting a web url and it has the option to submit anonymous usage information i could be getting all kinds of analytics on my apps that i'm currently not like i don't even know how many nv alt users there are as i get ready to release nv ultra it would be really useful to know right like I can I can estimate and it's it's a frighteningly huge number, um, but I don't have any actual data to work with. And I really should have set that up years ago. Um, so fun fact, the Sparkle project, like the library, the 2.0 uh, dot O was just released 20 hours ago. 20 hours. Mm-hmm. I've been using 2.0. No, I've been using 1.6. Oh, shit. OK, so I might need to do some updating. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is it Sparkle 2 add support for application sandboxing, custom, re- custom user interfaces, updating external bundles, and more modern architecture, which which includes faster and more reliable installs. Pre-releases can be available in this thing. But yeah, it's already, it, the 2, 2 was just released. The, so sandbox, cool. the sandbox thing was a big deal. Used to, yep. up until now, you've had to use a fork of the Sparkle project if you wanted to add automatic updates to a sandbox app. Like, it's been possible. But it hasn't been easy. Yeah, no, I mean, totally, which I think a lot of people have used other things. And um, no, that's cool. Because, yeah, because most most Mac apps use Sparkle or, or, or a fork of it. Um, or, you know. Uh, it's what yeah. makes it possible for an app like Mac Updater to keep track of all of your I updates. I was going to say. Because it can just well, check uh, the Sparkle feed. Exactly. Mac Updater also can check, uh, I think, you know, it has stuff that it, it like integrates with Homebrew as well. But right, it needs some sort of feed of some sort of thing to be able to search into. I don't know how it checks like uh, like DaVinci uh, Resolve, which doesn't do internal updates at all. Uh, they must have just figured out they, how they, it They might have manually, they, they might have found a way to manually ping that yeah. and compare it. Like I have a feeling, like I have a feeling like a... Uh, like I feel like what was what was Mac update? Uh, I I use Mac updater. Yeah. Uh, but 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 you know the old Mac update like they had their own Mac update database. Desktop, yeah. Yeah. Up, it, like their own database of which I, I don't even think is updated anymore. Ironically. Um. 
but they have like their own database, you know, of, of apps, you know, that are listed. Uh, some of it, I'm sure, is through RSS and Sparkle, and some of it was, you know, through developers submitting stuff or whatever the case may be. But I, I still get so like most of my apps historically have been listed on Mac Update, and whenever I put out a Sparkle update, I get a, I get an, an email from Mac Update that says your app has your app listing has been updated, so they are tracking Sparkle feeds. Yeah, no, I figure, but I'm just saying, I think that they have another thing too. Like, I think if you weren't using Sparkle, you, yeah, like, I, I feel like they have some other mechanism there. Um, what was what was the other Mac update competitor? They sold it to to Macworld or somebody. What was it called? Versions? I don't remember. Uh, like, like there were a bunch of like real spam ones, like Softpedia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but this was one. It kind of became a spam. I think they sold it to CNET, but it was it was Version Tracker. That's what it was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Version Tracker. Yeah, Version Tracker was cool. Man, we're just well, like Mac, having like Mac update used to be cool. I used to love Mac update. Me too. I used to love it. I used to love it. And um yeah. Yeah. It those, I, I don't know what's happened with it, but those were heady times, the Mac update version tracker days. Honestly, well, I just I don't know. It reminds me of just like the the like glory days of, of Mac OS, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like back when like everybody was building like native and cool desktop apps mm-hmm. and doing like cool shit yeah good times good times all right well hey everybody happy new year happy new year yes yes this has been a little weird overtired but i'm i'm, I'm glad to to catch up with you and uh happy new year everybody um take care of yourselves hope that here's to 2022 being nothing like 2021 uh, yes nothing like 2020 or like yeah. basically let's go for uh, here's to 2022 being like 2015. Yes. Yes. Let's, I love it. Let's jump back. Let's jump back yep. before 2016. Uh-huh. All right. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. We're going we're gonna to call this episode Undertired. I like it. I think we're both too well rested to make an overtired episode today. I think so. But I, I mean, I think we, we had some good conversations. We had oh, yeah. some good reminiscing about Mac stuff. I always love that. Yeah. We, it, was still, it was still classic overtired from a different perspective. There we go. All right, Christina, get some sleep. Get some sleep, Brett. The system is going down low.